Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. It is March 16th. I'm David Gasper, joined as always by Matt Carroll, and we are the editors at ReviewingTheBrew.com. It's a beautiful day. I was driving home today. My car said 68 degrees outside, and it has been a phenomenal week filled with baseball news because baseball is back. Uh, I remember that from, from last week's episode, and it was a great time. Brewers released their their minor league uh, schedule or, or their minor league roster today. All mm-hmm. the players, all their numbers, a whole like there's like some numbers have like three or four players uh, taking them. They intentionally skipped over <laughs> 69. Like every number, every number one to 99 except the retired ones, and 69 were not, not nice. Not nice. Not nice at all. Oh come on. I was on. very disappointed. Almost um, yanked my phone off the stand on accident. I was so upset. Oh, so upset. Yeah, it's terrible. But we are reinvigorated, man. Like it has mm-hmm. been a week just filled with content on the site because baseball's back, transactions all over the place. It's it's back to normal. It's fun, and then the sun comes out and it's warm, and now it's sunny late at night. Like it's it's incredible. Yeah, you can feel you can feel the baseball coming back, like not just in the news and the like you said, the content on the site that ba- that's back. But like every outside, it feels like baseball. I know we're, it's going to dip back down a little bit, but that's OK. Like, oh, you, you can tell it's just right around the corner. And in just a couple of days, we've got uh, spring training games. Yes, so we even have we t- uh, today in all of Major League Baseball is the last day, I believe I read without baseball until this fall because some teams yep. do start tomorrow just not the Bre- yep. brewers don't start till friday so the, the we brewers are... have an interest squad scrimmage ah. or, or, or some sort of like a i think i saw like a four and a half inning scrimmage uh something adam mccalvey front of the podcast his notebook uh like a four and a half inning scrimmage against the dodgers something which ethan small is scheduled to throw two innings in so that's fun but let's we, we got to get into the news of the past yep. week. Um, there, there's been a bunch of news. Uh, and if you remember listening to last week's podcast, we ended mm-hmm. it with our predictions uh, yeah. for who would be the first player the Brewers signed uh, once a free agency kicked off. And we gave a couple of ideas. I went bold and I said, Tony Watson, you know, go, go mm-hmm. out, out of the box for a reliever. My backup option uh, was was Hunter Strickland. Um, Matt. You said Brad Boxberger, and sure enough, sure enough, over this past weekend, the first player the Brewers signed post-lockout was Brad Boxberger to a one-year, two-and-a-half-million-dollar contract, and we love doing victory laps here on the Cobra <laughs> Podcast. When Corbin Burns won his Cy Young, I took my victory lap. Matt Carroll, take your victory lap. That's a little, uh, little tougher to predict than... I. Well, I should say not as tough to predict as uh, Corbin Burns winning the Cy Young. Although that said, of the hundreds of free agents that the Brewers could have signed, it was Brad Boxberger on the dot. Nailed it. Um, I, I like, you know, I'm glad they brought him back. Um, it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, he's got familiarity with the staff. He was their leader in appearances last year um, and turned in, you know, a great performance. And so you have that three-headed monster at the back of the bullpen back. Um, it, it's going to look still a little bit different elsewhere within it, but, um, it, at the very least you've got now, you've got your young starting rotation, you've got your end of the bullpen back, your pitching staff is set up to be dominant once again. And so, yeah, 
welcome back, Big Brad Boxberger. Big yeah. Bad Brad Boxberger. I missed There we go. Big Bad Brad. Yeah. Love to see it. Love to see him back. Um, yeah, leader in appearances, had 71 uh, last year. Um, he's got... Yeah, a one-year, $2.5 million deal. There are some incentives in there, I believe half a million dollars worth, uh, based on uh, appearances and games finished. And he has a club option for 2023. That was very interesting to note uh, for the 34-year-old Boxberger. I mean, he was on a one-year deal last year. Uh, I think he originally came in on a minor league deal um, or whatever it was. They released him, and then they signed him back. Uh, and then and then brought him brought him up, I think, like a few days into the season. Mm-hmm. And then he was the big guy from there. So but now he's got a, his full big league deal. He's not you know, going to be uh, released and you know sent down to the minors for the first few games uh, this year. That That's not really a concern, but uh, he's back. And, uh, you know, looking at this bullpen, we both figured it's like, OK, they got to add someone and they might as well add someone soon while all the while all the options are there. And it turns out it was Brad Boxberger. It, it it makes so much sense. Yeah, yeah, it really does. And um, as you'll see when we get to another player that the Brewers added, um, I, I I feel like Boxberger must be one of those guys as well, who's just one of those solid teammates, uh, a guy that guys like to be around. He's he's a little you know he's a little quiet compared to I feel like some of the other Brewers players, but um the Brewers do value bringing in the right kind of guys, the guys that uh, fit in in the clubhouse very well. And you have to imagine that if they were to bring a player like Boxberger back, hold, that's a lot of bees, bring a player like (laughs) Boxberger back, um, that it's, it's because he had as much of a, an effect on the clubhouse as he did on the mound. So I'm glad to see it. Uh, Lots of um, Boxberger emoji, uh, Twitter posts available (laughs) again, it's uh, it, it's he's a fun guy to have around. So, um, yeah, I enjoy it. I'm looking forward to it. I'm I'm more excited for uh, uh, Jack Stern, you know, fellow uh, baseball uh, Brewers blogger and uh, on, on Twitter there. I'm more excited for his meme of uh, TCB taking care of business with uh, Brad oh, Boxberger yeah. from Seinfeld. Oh, yeah. yeah. So now we can bring those back. Um, yeah, it's possibilities. Uh, the possibilities are endless, man. Mm-hmm. Big Bad Brad. I can type that in all caps once again. Every mm-hmm. time he gets out of a jam, gets out of a, you know, gets has a three up, three down inning, whatever it is. Um, so, yeah, and I'm it excited like he to see did, it. It felt like he did that a lot, especially considering the amount of all caps Big Bad Brad posts that there were last year. I mean, he yeah. pitched well uh, in some tough spots for the Brewers. Um, you know, he you know, picked up some time uh, further down the bullpen when uh, Devin Williams uh, was kind of having his issues. Um, he, he filled in a kind of a variety of roles for the Brewers. Um, yeah, he's this isn't just a regular reliever you're getting. This is a guy who can uh, pitch in the clutch. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, he's uh, he was a closer a couple of years ago, I believe, with mm-hmm. uh, Arizona. Um, and yeah, plenty of experience all over in a variety of different roles. Uh, and you know, Craig council likes him. I think he likes Craig council likes the usage. He did get a little tired towards the end of the season. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was, uh, you know, getting up there in appearances, uh, perhaps the Brewers can, uh, manage that a little bit easier this year. I mean, the designated hitter is in the national league now, so the starters can stay a bit longer. They don't have to be pinch hit for, um, so maybe he doesn't need quite as many appearances. So that could also help him as well. 
Uh, now the Brewers can kind of see, okay, you know, how how much can we use them? You know, maybe instead of 71, maybe try to get, you know, 65, 60, 65 appearances for them. Um, you know, it, it all depends. Uh, mm-hmm. It all depends on the situation. But uh, it, it's definitely a good tool for Craig Council to have back in that bullpen. They're reliable veteran reliever who can pitch in pretty much any role that you put him into. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring up the appearances and whether they'll be able to limit him a little bit or not and kind of um, uh, tone down the usage, keep him fresh. Um, We do have the rule with the CBA um, that limits the amount of times players can be optioned. And so does that mean the Brewers are able or not able to tap into that well quite as much? And some of their other guys will have to maybe have some more appearances. Are they going to have to rely on some of the young guys um, to put forth more appearances because they can't be options? It'll be interesting to see how that translates to Boxburgers and other uh, high quality relievers usage. Um, we know that council navigates his way around all the rule changes very well. Um, I'm just interested to see what kind of effect it might have. Yeah, it's going to be a, uh... Want to see and like maybe they'll add more, maybe, like maybe they'll add another veteran lever. It could be Strickland. You know, they, they could mm-hmm. still add him back. He's still out there. Could still be um, Watson. Could still be Watson. He's out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the other options that were in my uh, article on 10 reliever targets have gone off the board. Mm-hmm. Colin McHugh, Chase and Shreve. Oh. Um, <laughs> I, I wrote about it's funny. I wrote about both of them last year on one of my uh, really? free agent reliever articles. So, you know, great minds, obviously. Yeah. So, I mean, these guys just do make sense as fits, but uh, mm-hmm. the Brewers uh, have not gotten them, but they still nope. could. They're still yes. out there. So a couple of them. Yeah. Um, so they might wait that one out a little bit longer um, and just kind of see, OK, who's all kind of left here. They may not go. They may not want to go another, you know, big, you know, one year, two and a half, three million dollar deal or whatever. They might try to get it as as cheaply as possible. Make those guys sweat a little bit, which you know, it sucks because you'd like to see these guys sign, but um, that's probably how they're going to end up doing it. Yeah, yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. We kind of saw, obviously, these are two completely different situations, um, but we saw the same thing in free agency last year, again, for a different reason. But there were a lot of free uh, free agents that either a, just didn't get signed or got signed super late and had to settle uh, for different deals. So, um, yeah, it could be just a smaller version of the same situation happening this year not sure some might some of those you know borderline guys may end up signing minor league contracts just to get uh, hooked up with the team and hope to make their way up kind of like Boxberger did I have to imagine the Brewers will sign a couple of those this year um, just like they did last year so you know we'll see yeah the the Brewers are definitely going to want to try to keep you know depth and, and keep as many guys as they can especially in that bullpen uh, who was really kind of lacking depth last year. Another group that was kind of lacking depth uh, and really quality was the offense. Uh, they really struggled last year, as we all know, um, and the Brewers needed to uh, address that this offseason. And, you know, before the lockout, they got Mike Brasso, um, you know, Pedro Severino filled the backup spot. Uh, the big move was the trade for Hunter Renfro, obviously getting rid of Jackie Bradley Jr. and two of our favorite prospects, um, in the process, but they get Hunter Renfro back uh, to replace Evansale Garcia in right field. And then the question was, okay, now what do they do to continue to supplement the offense? The designated hitter is here. That opens up another spot in the lineup for someone to grab. 
Um, you know, because right now, like before that, it would have been between Rowdy Telez and Kesson Hira, and like you know, one of those guys playing first base, one of those guys DHing. That that pretty much would have been your lineup. Uh, so it's like, okay, you guys can stand to to add another bat, but who was it going to be? You know, there were a lot of rumors going around. You know, could it be Jorge Soler? Uh, could it be Nelson Cruz? You know, he would make a lot of sense. Um, could it be? Uh, could they trade for Jesse Winker? Uh, could they? You know, go after Luke Voigt. Um, instead, the Brewers decided to say, no, we don't want any of those guys. And we are going to sign Andrew McCutcheon. Yeah. The big Andrew, McC- Andrew McCutcheon, the Kutch. Um, <laughs> I, I believe, yeah. The, is it the Kutch or just Kutch? I think just I don't Kutch. Know. Uh, just cut whatever we'll figure it out we got i think his twitter handle has the cut i don't know oh i think uh, you're right actually yeah Ed, we can call him whatever we want we'll come up with other andrew names. mccutcheon that that's his name uh and he has signed with the brewers on a one-year eight and a half million dollar deal uh the former pittsburgh pirates mvp uh he is as the toby Keith song goes not as good as he once was but he was as good once as he ever was uh, he still mashes lefties. The Brewers struggled against lefties last year. And frankly, Matt, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it sure does. Um, and it's funny because it kind of transpired in the same way that Jackie Bradley Jr. did last year, where we thought, you know, the outfield, it looks good and set. And then all of a sudden there were rumors that the Brewers were interested in bringing in Jackie Bradley Jr. And we all went, wait, really? And then... Just as fast as the rumors happened, uh, he was signed. And then that all happened even faster uh, with McCutcheon because it all happened in the same day. Rosenthal uh, reported the interest earlier in the day. And then by that evening, he was reportedly a brewer. He was in agreements. Mm-hmm. Um, the former, the five-time All-Star 2013 NL MVP. I forgot he had an MVP um, until I started obviously having to dig around back around and look uh, into the history. Um, but you're right. You know, 27 homers last year. Um, batting average took a little bit of a dip, um, but uh, still had, you know, 80 RBIs, uh, 78 runs. Like he was a very productive uh, member of that Phillies offense um, over the last few years, really. And so it's interesting, though, to hear that their plan, um, as they said today, for McCutcheon is to primarily be DH. Now, Obviously, the way the Brewers work their rosters and how they want guys to be interchangeable, I am sure that he will filter in into the outfield at least a little bit, that he'll have his off days, that you know there will be all kinds of uh, rotations going on for them on offense. But um, I, I, I love it. That's the guy I was referencing earlier where like I think just he as a personality is a great guy to have in the clubhouse and he just fits the mold of the type of guys that the Brewers bring in to this team. So yeah, yeah, super pumped to have him did not see it coming. But again, like look back to last year, look back to 2018 when the Brewers brought in Christian Yelich and then went and brought in Lorenzo Cain as well. And everyone's going, what are we going to do with all these outfielders? The Brewers always figure that out. They always figure it out. They love to have plenty of outfielders and everyone gets their turn. Even last year when we had, um, Bradley Jr., Avi, Kane, and Yelich. Tyrone Taylor still saw 100 plus games of action. So, like, truly, all of our outfielders will find time. That we don't have to worry about one bit. Yeah, I mean, there's there's going to be time for Taylor. 
I think there's going to be like slightly less time with McCutcheon mm-hmm. now in the fold. Um, you know, just because like, okay, like say Yelich needs a day off or, or Yelich is uh, going to be the DH. Who's going to fill in for him in left field? Probably McCutcheon. Mm-hmm. And so that would, so McCutcheon would get those at bats, that playing time instead of Taylor. Now, I don't think McCutcheon's really much of a center fielder at this point in his career. I think he's primarily just uh, in left field. Um, mm-hmm. So Taylor's still going to be the primary backup to Lorenzo Cain in center. And, and Lorenzo Cain is going to need his off days. He's 36 years old. Uh, he's getting up there. Well, I mean, we'll talk more about Lorenzo Cain a little bit later on in the podcast. But, uh, you know, Tyrone Taylor is going to get, you know, the time backing up there. Um, but, the, I mean, it's going to be less or, or it's going to be. Sorry, grammatically correct here. It's going to be fewer at bats <laughs> uh, for Tyrone Taylor than if, the, like, say the, the the guy the Brewers got to be DH was Luke Voigt. You know, because mm-hmm. because that's a first base DH type. So you know, when it comes to rotating in the field, you know, Taylor wouldn't have been impacted by that at all. But now, when it comes to rotating through all the outfielders in the field, Taylor does get impacted a little bit. He's still going to have more than last year, I think. Um, but slightly less or slightly fewer than what he would have before McCutcheon came into the fold. Yeah, and I do want to correct myself a little bit. I said 100-plus games for Tyrone Taylor last year. It was 93. So. Oh, my God, you're off Plus. by seven games. I know. I know. Come on, Matt. We place a premium on accuracy on this we podcast. We do, but that's why we got to correct ourselves when we're wrong, right? Exactly. Um, I think, you know, there are a lot of people who um, pointed out the fact that, you know, because of last year, you know, the amount of games that Yelich missed due to injury, that Kane missed due to injury, you know, Tyrone Taylor will find his way into the lineup. Um, And I think to an extent that's true. Um, But also for a player like Yelich, he may get some games in at DH there, um, especially, you know, if it happens to be a a matchup that doesn't work out in McCutcheon's favor. You've got righty lefty right there. so, you know, Taylor may work his way into some, game, some games in that sense, um, but the DH may reduce the amount of games that Yelich misses, um, is kind of what I was getting to. Um, and the fact that Kane isn't coming off of not only a shortened season, but also a season that he opted out of may hopefully result in less, fewer <laughs> missed games <laughs> for him as well. So, um, you know, yeah, he's still going to see time. I, I tend to agree with you for not just the McCutcheon getting more playing time, but also the hopefully that pair missing less time reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but with all that said, I don't think we need to necessarily assume that the Brewers um, are going to try and, you know, trade him or get something back for him. We know that, you know, he's he, he's out of options, I believe now. Correct. Yes, um, I, correct. I believe I saw that pointed out. Um, so it's not like we can stash him in the minor leagues, but after this year, McCutcheon's only on a one-year contract and Kane, um, his contract is done as well. So now you're down to just Yelich and Renfro as your primary outfielders. You may want to keep Taylor around purely for next year. You know, obviously I'm sure the Brewers are going to make some moves to address that. Um, but you know, you're not quite ready to start bringing up obviously the Mitchells and the Weemers and the Freelicks, um, quite in 2023, maybe one of those guys, you know, just maybe Mitchell, if it, if it all comes together. Yeah. Or right. Weimer, yeah. But it, I don't think it's a guarantee and maybe not even at the start of the season. So you may want Taylor on this team. And like we said, you know, he's, he's going to get playing time. It just may not quite be as much as last year. So it's, 
that's that's kind of just an interesting thing. If they moved on from him, I wouldn't you know be surprised that way either. Um, but I think there's some value in keeping him around all season into next year. Oh yeah, there absolutely is. And, but I mean, I think it's really also got to be frustrating for Taylor too, where oh yeah, you know, like you know, these opportunities come up, and you know, he keeps on proving himself. He does a really good job. You know, whenever he's up, whenever he gets a chance for at bats, uh, he does a really good job. And you know, he's put up above league average numbers um, in terms of OPS plus each year he's been in the big leagues. Now, granted, they haven't been the largest of sample sizes, but he's still been incredibly productive and he showed a lot of power last year. Uh, so really kind of everything the Brewers have asked of him, he's been able to do. He's been able to step up. He proved last year he belongs in the big leagues um, and, and that he's really ready for an opportunity to take on a larger role. But, you know, a, as he proves that, they go out and they get another outfielder. And it's just it, it, it's got to be frustrating for him, too. I mean, he, he's going into spring training last year. It's like, OK, you know, I got Derek Fisher and Billy McKinney and uh Tim Lopes and all these other outfielders to kind of deal with to to battle for that backup spot. And he goes out there and he dominates in spring training. It's like, OK, you know, I'm showing extremely well. Then they just signed Jackie Bradley Jr. out of nowhere. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. there goes that. And, you know, now he's he's delegated to or relegated to the fifth outfielder spot just because with what everyone else is getting paid, there's no way he's going to be jumping up. You know, even if uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. just completely stinks at the plate which he did, and then he, he's just kind of, you know, screwed, out, out of spot. And then it's like, okay, now you got this year. Then uh, Avisil Garcia leaves. It's like, okay, now Tyrone Taylor, for the moment, was penciled in to the starting right fielder job. It's like, okay, that may be a bit of a stretch to go to right away, but, uh, you know, we'll see. Then they trade for Hunter Renfro. It's like, okay, well, it's back to the fourth outfielder spot for uh, – for Tyrone Taylor, but fourth outfielder is still better than fifth outfielder, uh, which is what he was. So it's like, okay, still a little bit of a step up, kind of a backup, but going to get plenty of playing time, backing up Kane, backing up Yelich, all that stuff. Uh, and then they go on time to catch and it's like, well, now you're back down to the fifth outfielder spot. Like it's got to be frustrating for him. You know, like, like, like I feel for Tyrone Taylor, like I want him to get these opportunities uh, to get more opportunities and really kind of prove himself at the big league level, because uh, I think he could actually be really solid and a, and a really good player uh, if given the chance to start every day. I just don't know if he's going to get it in a Milwaukee uniform. Yeah, you yeah, know, absolutely right. Um, and even next year, you know, when I when I was mentioning keeping him around just to be here for next year, you know, is next year necessarily as a starter or does he work his way back up to fourth outfielder? You know, I don't know. Um, yeah. Or, or is he just a stopgap? Yeah, exactly. Um, and I was like, like, we're just waiting for Garrett Mitchell to get here. So like you can handle center field. And then once once we feel Garrett Mitchell's ready, you're back to the you're back to the bench. Yeah. Yeah. You have to mention uh, or, or imagine for Mitchell, there's a good chance that by the end of this year, especially hearing about what he went through in the minor leagues, it was great to kind of get that um, eye opening content from McAlvey about how um, Mitchell had gone through strep twice and that was what really kind of tanked his or contributed to tanking his double a season. So, you know, you, you expect that this year he comes out looking a lot more like his high a Wisconsin self. Does that end up bumping him up to triple a this year? And then if he finishes the year and spends a significant more uh, amount of time at triple a in 2022, yeah, it, whether it's starting the year in 2023 or later, you have to imagine he makes his way up at some point and then right 
is Taylor out of job at that point? Because if your first round pick is ready for the big leagues, you want to start giving him that playing time. Like you want him on the field. So I don't know. I feel for the guy too, especially after, you know, last year, I remember us talking at the beginning of the season about, you know, do we really feel like Tyrone Taylor is a starting major league caliber outfielder? And, you know, a lot, most of us were leaning towards the no side and a few weeks into the season, we were all completely turning our opinions around. And he did that himself. He, he made us change our opinions on him. Um, but you're right. Like, is he going to get that chance here? I don't know. And and then if he's not, if the Brewers don't think he's going to long-term, do you move him now or do you wait to move him until your reinforcements are up here, until your young guns are here in the outfield? That's one of the many decisions that Stearns gets to make going forward. Yeah, but yeah. And also, like, if you are going to move him, you're going to want to get, you know, some good value back. And you know, I'm not sure if the value right now is going to be enough to make the Brewers say, you know, th- this is worth it. You know, they, they may want to see more like, is this dude capable of being a starter? Um, I don't know if the Brewers intend on giving, on giving him that chance. Maybe another team will. But what would they really pay for it, you know, yeah. right now? And, that, and that's really kind of tough to see uh, happening. So, you know, it, it's really just, I think, kind of a sticky situation uh, for Tyrone Taylor, um, you know, as I said, I feel for him. I really want him to get that opportunity, but um, the Brewers, you know, they've had a lot of outfield prospects over the years, uh, especially in the David Stearns era, and they haven't really let any of them take a starting job. Mm-hmm. I mean, that you had those young guns coming up, you know, that, that first wave, your Lewis Brinson's, your Brett Phillips, um, your uh, Keon Broxton, Domingo Santana. Uh, all these guys you had coming up, uh, coming in there, they were about ready. You had like six outfielders and they didn't give any of them a shot. You know, they, they went out and got, they got Yelich, they got Kane to take up two of those outfield spots. Uh, they traded Brinson away. Then they ended up trading Phillips a little bit later. I mean, Santana was in right field for a little bit. Um, then they kind of uh, had, you know, took that job away from him. Um, and then they traded him away. They traded Broxton away. All these outfield prospects that they had, all of them that were super promising, um, they didn't really give a shot to. Now, granted, as time has gone on, we've seen, okay, giving up on Brinson was a good idea. (laughs) Moving on from Phillips, I mean, Phillips is mostly a backup outfielder. Mm -hmm. Uh, Domingo Santana's bounced around, hasn't hasn't been able to repeat his 30 home run season. Keon Broxton netted us Felix Valerio and uh, Adam Hill, who we traded to get Omar Narvaez. And since then, Keon hasn't been able to do anything. Um, so, I mean, the Brewers made the right calls there on on those guys, but, you know, it seems like every time, you know, that there's a a prospect ready to jump in, the Brewers get another veteran. And I'm not saying it's wrong. You know, it's like, Hey, you got to look out for the big league club. You know, Hunter Renfro does give the Brewers a better chance to win in 2022 than Tyrone Taylor does just straight up period. So you can't fault them for it, but at the same time, it's, it's just, tough emotionally seeing a guy like finally be ready for a chance and then have that chance taken away before he gets an ability to prove himself. Yeah. Yeah. And to speak more to, you know, the, the younger outfielders who haven't gotten a chance, some of them haven't exactly, you know, taken that chance for themselves either. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Corey Ray, obviously we thought, right. you know, he had a chance at being, you know, the next center fielder 
And he, you know, after that one really solid double A season, things really stalled out for him. About the only one in recent memory you can think of outside of Taylor who did was Trent Grisham. And Mm -hmm. we used him as an asset. So which is what you do sometimes, obviously. Um, He's outside of Taylor. He's the only one that was anywhere relatively close to like grabbing himself a spot, um, which I guess is, you know, kind of maybe what makes it a little bit more frustrating for a player like Taylor, because he did what he was supposed to do. He was one of those few guys who um, showed enough on the field where maybe he should be given more time. And for the first time last year, he was somewhat, um, but yeah, ready to maybe do the same thing again this year. The Brewers had other plans, Um, but you know what? Maybe McCut- maybe they stick to their plan and McCutcheon really does primarily see time at DH and we send end up seeing more of Taylor uh, as we th- than we thought. I, I tend to believe the same thing you believe that McCutcheon will get filtered into the outfield a little bit more than they're leading on right now. It may mm-hmm. be out of necessity. Not sure. Um, but yeah, it's just it's tough. You're, you're right. It's absolutely tough for a guy like Taylor who's who's doing all the right things and by all accounts should be getting that time and. Yeah, the Brewers, they, it goes to show the standards, I think, a little bit that they feel they need out of their outfielders. They want guys out there. Now, obviously, Bradley Jr. didn't quite live up to those standards he did defensively. Um, mm-hmm. But they want guys out in that outfield from left to right who are going to be among the best of the best on their team. They they want that to be a quality position that's being filled. So if they're going out and getting you know, a guy like a Renfro because they feel like they absolutely need him to anchor one of those spots. You know, there's a, there's a reason that's a philosophy for them. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that we've seen in the, in the David Stearns era, uh, pretty much ever since he got here. Um, and for, for Tyrone, you know, if he, if he ever does get a chance, like let's say center field is his chance because Lorenzo Cain's contract is up, um, after this season, Renfro has another year. Yelch is going to be here forever. Um, then, okay. So center field to start 2023, you've got Tyrone Taylor. I mean, at some point in that season, Garrett Mitchell is going to be knocking on the door. And even if Garrett Mitchell doesn't work out, you know, who's coming up right after Sal Freelich. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, you also got Joey Weimer out there. He's got a fantastic mm-hmm. arm. Uh, you got Corey Ray, who, if he can stay healthy, um, and keep things going at the plate, he could be a threat to take over that job. Further down the line, you got Hedbert Perez coming up. Uh, he could handle center field. Um, so, you know, if one of those guys doesn't work out, there's another one or two or three to to take his place. So even if Tyrone is able to get the, the starting job in 2023, I'm not sure how long he's going to be able to have it. Because even though they like Tyrone and Tyrone can can be solid, who do you think they're going to give the opportunity to? Tyrone Taylor or Garrett Mitchell? When Mitchell mm-hmm. proves that he's ready, they're yeah. going to give that chance to Mitchell. Yeah, exactly. You want to, like, like I said, you, you want to see once your first round pick or second round pick or one of your like high, high draft picks is ready for the major leagues. You want to see what they can do. You want to give them that time to prove um, that they're the man for the job. So absolutely. He will take a back seat um, and give playing time to some of those younger guys. So, um, yeah, yeah we'll see how it all shakes out. And the thing about Taylor, too, is that he was a second round pick. So that was in 2012. That that was a decade ago. You know, he's been a very slow developing prospect, very much a late bloomer. They drafted him out of high school. Um, So it's taken him a while to get here. Um, So, uh, you know, I think their opinion on as 
I think the Brewers' opinion as to what Taylor can be as a professional player is kind of soured a bit because typically your star outfielders, your your starting outfielders, don't take seven years to develop coming out of high school to reach the big leagues. You know, they typically don't take that long um, and have this kind of a slow progression. So the Brewers probably feel he's not going to be much more than a solid, you know, really solid backup fourth outfielder and thus haven't really been willing to to just roll with him as a starting guy at, at any one spot out there. So that's just my opinion. I, that, that's not based on anything like from the Brewers, you know, that, that I've actually seen. But just because it's been such a long time for him to develop, it just makes sense that they probably feel his ceiling isn't overtly high. Right. I, I mean, he's 28 years old now. Like by this point, He's he's in his prime. He should be who he's going to be like. There's not much more for the most. But in most situations, there's not much more developing that he's doing. So he is who he is right now. And yes, you're right. He has been an above average player. But also the reality is last year he hit 247. You know, the OPS plus was 106, which is just above league average uh, on base percentage was 321. That's Okay, but not like it's not out of this world by any means. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's not like we're talking about a guy. Yes, we say he's proved himself. Yes, he's he's proven the chance that he deserves a chance. But it's also not like he's putting up, you know, Christian Yelich MVP numbers or even Avi from 2021 numbers. So you know that's those are the types of things that the Brewers are seeing. So like we do have to be a little bit realistic in this situation as well that. Like, like, yes, we're, we're giving him credit for what he has proven, but also he's it's not like he's we're saying he's the next Mike Trout or anything like that by no. any means. No. So, you know, we'll, we'll just kind of see how it goes with uh, Tyrone Taylor this season. But uh, I'm, I'm sure he's going to come out uh, with a with more of a chip on his shoulder uh, this season for sure. So. Uh, let's, let's kind of move on to, uh, just kind of more of the big picture stuff here, you know, with the addition of Andrew McCutcheon, uh, you know, how he fills that DH spot for the most part, are the Brewers done adding offense? You know, we knew coming out of the lockout, they still would need another bat. They got one in McCutcheon. Are they going to get a second one? You know, you know, they, they, they could stand to upgrade first base still. Um, but by the looks of it, Matt, it doesn't. It seems like they're done, uh, at least on offense. You know, maybe they could grab another reliever too, but uh, it seems like the offensive work for the most part is done. They have McCutcheon. You know, you got plenty of outfield depth out there now. Uh, you got Wong at second, Adamas at short, Urias at third. Uh, at first base, you got Telez and Keston Hira. And uh, by the by, by what Craig Council was saying um, this week. They really believe in Rowdy. Um, Rowdy Telez put up really solid numbers after they got him midseason last year. Um, you know, they, they seem excited to see what he can do, and he's kind of going to be the guy for the most part there at first base. So it uh, it, it looks like they're probably going to be done adding to this uh, to this offensive group. Yeah, yeah, I tend to agree um, exactly with what your points were uh, in that article that you posted today. And, you know, if for no other reason, who else are they going out there and getting? I mean, most of the big names have signed at this point 
Um, I, I didn't see if Schwarber was official, but I mean, he's yep. four okay, years, 79 so million with the Phillies. Okay. So that, I mean, there's that, uh, Freeman still, you know, narrowing down on his team. We're not getting Freddie Freeman. We were never getting Freddie Freeman. Let's put that out there right away. Yeah. So, and, unless Freeman is willing to, to accept a one year, $10 million deal, uh, right. to come to Milwaukee. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so. no, not happening. So, and with some of the other guys who have now signed, Chris Bryant just uh, agreed with the Rockies on a big contract. It's oh my still God, what was the up with hell that? they're doing? What, I don't why? even think the Rockies know what they're doing. No, they they haven't for years. They've got new guys running it, and they still don't know what they're doing. Remember, but, remember the scene from a uh, Dark Knight or whatever? The the Joker's like, do I look like someone with a plan? Like, <laughs> yes, that is all of the Rockies. So if you look at who's left out there, MLB.com is a free agent tracker um, where they rank people based off of their war, combined war over the last two years. Um, if you look at first base, the outside of Freeman, the best guy left out there on the market is Colin Moran. Are, are, are you really like and like I know we have our opinions of how he's done against us, but look at his numbers from 2021 and tell me what you really now think of Colin Moran. Like, are, are the Brewers, like, really scrambling to go sign him? No. You look at third base, and, and this is, if they're going to upgrade anywhere, you're right. It's, you know, is it first base? Is it third base? Is it DH? Like, those are really the only spots you're going to consider right now. So you look at third base. Um, Bryant just signed. Matt Duffy just signed. He was one of the ones up there. Your next two uh, highest guys who are uh, still available are Johnny VR. I don't think mm. the Brewers are going and getting at this point. It's weird to see him as a third base option, to be honest, because we're used to him playing yeah. second. And then after that, it's Charlie Culberson, who Ugh. also did not have a great 2021. And then you yeah. look at if you do look at DH, um, the best available guy out there is Mitch Moreland, who's 36 uh, and also didn't have a super great 2021. After that, it's Derek Dietrich. We hate that guy here because of what he did with uh, yeah. Uh, leaning into pitches. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So, like, those are your names that are out there. So, for no other reason, the Brewers probably are done adding to the offense because there's just no one left to get outside of a trade. But those are obviously notoriously difficult to predict. If they make right. a trade, that sure, that could potentially happen. But that's also not something that has to happen now. That can happen as the season goes on. We saw it last year with the Arcia trade that was made after the season started and the Willie Adamas trade that was made after the season started. So just because they may be done signing offensive free agents doesn't necessarily mean they're done, period, this season at, at any point in the season. Yeah, I mean, David Stearns has kind of always says, like, they're never like done uh, completely just like adding it. It's a continual process throughout the year. Uh, but for like, you know, this kind of major signing period, like, you know, the preseason stuff I, I think for the most part they're they're solid on that front um yeah like trades would really kind of be the only method left there there's not that much on the free agent market that the brewers are going to be involved in um you know you could look at a guy i think jorge soler is still out there but mm-hmm. now that you got mccutcheon like really what's the point right you now like they they had the chance to go after soler instead but they chose to sign mccutcheon so i mean that that one's pretty much settled so you know you'd really be looking at a first base, you know, primary first base option. Um, and really, I think, you know, with Matt Olson already being traded, Luke Voigt is really the only one out there uh, that makes sense. And 
because Anthony Rizzo signed back with the Yankees and Voigt is pretty much out of a job. So mm-hmm. he's a trade he's a trade candidate. I don't know if the Brewers are going to be involved in that. You know, maybe they could mm-hmm. hold out for a bit and you know, I, I think they're going to roll with Telez and Hira. They they need to see what Hira has. Mm-hmm. He's made some mechanical changes this winter and he's someone that the organization has been completely high on ever since they drafted him. Uh, they, they've believed in this kid the entire time, that, that he can hit. He's a very talented hitter. They continue to say that. The last two years we haven't seen it, but that doesn't mean it's not there. Uh, so he's made the mechanical changes. They're going to give him a chance to, to see you know, what, what happens here, if those changes work, um, if he can recapture the, the hitting ability that he had in 2019 and before. Um, they, they're going to see what happens. They're also going to want to see what they have with Telez in a full season. Uh, you know, instead of sharing time with Vogelback and Hira uh, over there at first base, it was really kind of a, a tough mix. You know, now he's going to kind of be the guy. He's going to be playing pretty regularly. Uh, so they're going to see what they have in Telez. Now, if these two guys fail, then you can just always you can always go out and get someone in July at, at the trade deadline or even May, depending on how soon you decide you want to you want to make a change, like the Brewers did last year with Adamas. Um, but I think they're going to roll with Telez and Hira and see what they have in them before they decide if they want to make another addition at first base. Yeah, and there could always be the chance that Stearns is interested in Voight and he is kind of just watching out and wants to wait uh, a little bit into the season to where the Yankees show that they aren't really using him because of them signing Rizzo. And that gives the Brewers just a little bit of extra leverage. You trade for him now. You trade for him knowing that the Yankees are giving him a little bit less playing time, right? Like, that's what everyone's expecting, and that's probably what the Yankees are going to try and leverage. Like, oh, yeah, I, you know, we, we don't need him right now, but it's going to take you a lot to get him. Whereas, you know, it gets into the season a little bit, and the Brewers go, yeah, see, he's just sitting on your bench. But that's a you problem. You know what? We don't we don't have to take him. Um, but if you're willing to listen, you know, maybe we can work something out. Um, I, I could see that, you know, maybe being uh, the case. And, you know, the same thing happened last year with Adamus, really over the last couple of years with Adamus, where Stearns just kind of kept watching, just kept asking every once in a while. Hey, hey, just letting you know, we still have a little bit of interest. Um, but we're just going to, you know, we're not quite ready yet. We're going to just, uh, you know, keep an eye out and, you know, maybe we'll keep talking. And then, uh, when the right deal comes to fruition, we'll make it. And eventually they pulled that trigger. Maybe something similar happens, you know, just keep having that dialogue, keep it open. Um, and then when the timing is right, that's when Stern strikes. Like a Absolutely. Fight. Yeah. Just, just reaches out and grab you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's going to be. Um, I, I think, yeah, a little bit more time, as you mentioned. Stern's just kind of lurking in the shadows, um, and then he's going to, you know, jump out, and make a move when really you least expect it, which is, you know, exciting, but at the same time extremely frustrating when you <laughs> write a Brewer's blog. <laughs> yeah, like, it'd be nice to kind of see some stuff coming, you know, do some rumors, be like, oh yeah, hey, this could happen, um, instead of just trying to guess and having no clue uh, where he is or, or what's he's or what he's doing, but. That's just kind of uh, kind of the way it goes. But yeah, well, in, in case anyone was wondering, we do have day jobs. So when news yes. like that strikes and everyone's busy, it is quite the scramble to say, all right, 
who's available to write an article? Like it is when yeah. stuff like that pops up, it's always a very interesting situation. Yeah, like the rumor about uh, about McCutcheon that uh, that Rosenthal put out there, like he puts it out right as I roll into work um, mm-hmm. for for the show, and it's just like, um, well, I'm a I'm a little busy here. Um, can someone jump on this? And luckily, uh, the Raptor, uh, yep. John Egan, uh, one of our contributors at reviewing the brew, he was able to jump on it pretty quickly and get it up. So uh, that was good. Thank you, John. By the way. Yeah. Um. So golf clap. Yeah. Golf clap. <laughs> uh, raptor clap. Wait, my, ar- my arms aren't long enough. Yeah, I don't know if that works. Oh my gosh, that looks ridiculous. I'm glad we're not on video. Oh yeah. Uh, speaking of the raptor, Brent Suter, Brewers player rep, uh, rolled into camp. You know, he was talking about how, uh, you know, I, I think his wife shared on Instagram. You know, the the picture of him celebrating after the CBA was agreed to, just kind of their arms all up in the air, just all exhausted, and like <laughs> ugh. Finally, um, man, that was an exhausting process getting through uh, the end of that. But um, yeah, Brent Suter is uh, the player rep, and apparently Corbin Burns was the backup rep, uh, filling in whenever uh, whenever Suter couldn't make a meeting or something. Uh, Burns would hop on Zoom and uh, do that with do that with them. And uh, yeah, Burns has had a busy little bit. Burns is also a dad now. Yeah, uh, so dad congratulations strength. to Corbin. The Cy Young winner uh, gave birth, or his wife, more accurately, gave birth <laughs> to to his son, Carter. Accuracy, uh, again. Yes, <laughs> accuracy. We are all about biological and mathematical accuracy yep. uh, here on the Cold Brew Podcast. Uh, his wife gave birth to their son, Carter, who I'm sure already has a 90-mile-an-hour uh, cutter in his arsenal. Yeah. Um, and is uh yeah that's uh that's great i saw a picture also on instagram how when he was a week old like so this was like a week or so ago corbin took him fishing mm-hmm. like they're just out on a boat with their one week old son and they're going fishing i'm just like well isn't that just great little father son <laughs> moment going fishing yeah, when yeah, you're yeah not even a month old were they fishing with hater brother brother I feel like that's <laughs> he's an outdoorsman i feel like that would have been perfect yeah that, I don't. I don't know if Hater was there, but it, it might have just been a father-son bonding uh, moment. That, I guess this young they should be. But man, that it, just teach that kid uh, the Corbin Cutter and the Hater fastball. Whew. Oh my God! Brutal. I, speaking I just, I the scholarship right now. Speaking of the Corbin Cutter, Devin Williams has arrived to camp with a new pitch, a cutter slash slider. Mm-hmm. And. <laughs> If you thought Devin Williams was nasty already, just wait, because Corbin Burns, I'm assuming Corbin Burns, they haven't said this specifically, but I'm assuming Corbin Burns taught him a cutter. So now you have Devin Williams, who already has the best changeup in all of baseball with the airbender, who can pair it with a 98-mile-an-hour fastball, now can throw a cutter. It's unfair. That's That's terrifying that... Devin Williams change up is already so nasty that like there there's analysts that don't want to even classify it as a change up that insist it's a screwball. Like it is its own unique pitch. And now he's got one that they're calling a cutter slash slider. Like it's, it's going to end up being so nasty itself that they can't classify that one either. Like, but 
why it, that's not no that's not fair well, the, the the brewers they're they're going to start instituting rules that like you have to grip a ball a certain way because they're going to start cutting yeah. down on how nasty brewers pitchers are or something I, you, you can't just throw a changeup above 3000 rpm yeah right bullshit that's, that's just something mob would do to us i know it yeah just like they've done with every other rule in this last CBA that seems to only be targeting at the Brewers. I mean, they have the Jacob Nottingham rule for crying out loud. <laughs> yep. When the Jacob Brewers Nottingham were playing a uh, were playing a game of uh, I don't know what game you call that tag back and forth. I don't know, but uh, Red Rover. With, sure. Red Rover. Let's call playing it a game of Red Rover. Sending send Jacob Nottingham on over again. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, so now they can't do that anymore. Um, mm-hmm. but oh well, but yeah, that uh, that pitching staff, I mean, that, that's gonna be nuts. And uh, Andrew McCutcheon, I, I saw his comments today from his uh, opening press conference, um, you know, from joining the Brewers, you know, how when he came into Miller Park or, or American Family Field, um, when he came to Milwaukee, he was like, Oh, yeah, I feel I always, you know, came in feeling like I was gonna hit a home run here, um, and by and large, he did, um, <laughs> yep. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's a great place to hit here. I'm like, was it was it a great place to hit or did our pitchers just suck back then? You know, <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, wh- yeah. which is it really? But then, you know, he he comes to visit last year and then it's like, wait a minute. I'm seeing Burns and Woodruff and Peralta. Hitting is not so easy here anymore. And it's not the park that's different. So mm-hmm. how about I just join their side? Because I know hitting in the park is great. So how about I just join the side with these guys so I don't have to face them in games? It's genius, really. Yes. And frankly, yes. the Brewers should have been able to recruit so many other hitters. That should be the recruiting pitch. Be like, hey, if you sign with us, you don't have to face Woodruff or Burns or Peralta or Hayter or Williams ever. Yes. Andrew McCutcheon is a smart man. Yes. <laughs> and and you know what? The numbers actually, it's funny. They actually back that up. Um, in, he only played three games here last year. Um, but he was only one for 11. Yeah, see, that, there you go. But you know what that one was? A home run? A home run. Sure oh, my was. God. Solo homer. <laughs> of course. Who was, he was, I want, he was a true-to outcome. Do, do you know who it was off of? Ooh. You, you, yeah, you might have to go You might have to go back through and check yep. that a little bit. But to uh, do, you, do a little more Do you want to kill digging. some time a little bit here? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, can, I can fill some time here. But, yeah, and, and that's where something where I remember last year as well with uh, Miller Park. It's like, oh, uh, or American Family Field. I keep on doing that. Uh, American right. Family Field has gone from being a hitter's park to now it's a pitcher's park. And it's like, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. The dimensions haven't changed at all. Nothing about the stadium has changed. How can Miller Park, or, or how can it go from a hitter's park to a pitcher's park? And the reason is Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, Devin Williams, Josh Hader, Jake Cousins. You got all these dominant pitchers who just aren't giving up home runs. Corbin Burns gave up the fewest home runs of any qualified starter last season. Like they just weren't giving things up. The pitching staff was dominant and that changed the metrics. You know, that that changed whatever formula or algorithm comes up with a hitters park versus pitchers park to make them say, this is a pitchers park. And it's not because of the dimensions. It's not, it doesn't have anything to do with the stadium. It's the fact that the pitchers are so dominant, they turned American Family Field mathematically into a pitcher's park. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, Lord knows there was that one year where uh, Corbin Burns was turning it into a hitter's park 
back yes. in 2019. So the fact that it, that just, I mean, yeah, let's just throw some more props to him as though we don't enough on this podcast about how he was able to turn it around from that. Um, but no, you're absolutely right. I mean, the, the fact that the Brewers pitching is that good, that they can actually, you know, turn the tide of that in a park that has always been, you know, friendly to hitters is, is so damn impressive. And you're right. Like there's a different quality of pitchers um, that like some of some of those years were really bad. Um, oh, yeah. But I mean, even in years where we had good pitching, it was still considered a hitters park. That's just how damn dominant that group of pitchers the Brewers have are. Um, so I was able to find it, um, the game, the one hit where McCutcheon had mm-hmm. uh, a home run was off of Brad Boxberger. Actually, ah. that was Boxberger's. So he had um, he went into September after his first game in September. He had his ERA all the way down to two point two one, which goes to show that for almost all of the year, Brox, Boxberger was so damn good. Um, and then he had a blow up of an outing against the Phillies in Milwaukee where he didn't retire a batter. Um, he faced five of them and gave up five, ended up getting uh, charged with five earned runs in the very Ooh. first one was a solo shot uh, from Andrew McCutcheon. He ended up giving up one other multi-run game that month, um, but ended up still settled at a 3.34 ERA for the year. Obviously good. There's reasons, you know, we want Brad Boxberger back. Um, He's definitely worth having here. But that was the beginning of just a little bit of a rough stretch that he had uh, towards the end when he was running out of gas. And sure enough, it's our our, our new designated hitter that kind of started it. Yeah, so getting both these guys back on the same side now with McCutcheon mm. on the same side, now we can avoid that bar- that Boxberger yeah. meltdown. It Nothing is a win, win, win around here. Exactly. All right. So I, I think we should uh, – I think we need to move on to this now. We kind of teased it a little bit earlier. Lorenzo Cain, mm-hmm. uh, he made some comments as he arrived into spring training this week that – this could this could potentially be his final season. You know, it's, it's the last year of his contract, the five-year, $80 million deal he signed with the Brewers. 36 years old as a center fielder, uh, missed a bunch of time with leg injuries last year. Um, so, you know, he's thinking, you know, hey, this, this could potentially be it. Um, you know, we'll see. You know, it depends on his, his health um, and, and if he feels healthy and, and good to go for another season, you know, he may try it, but... Um, you know, he was going in, you know, thinking, you know, this could potentially be my final season. Now, we have seen something like this before in 2020, back at a Brewers on deck before the whole world fell apart. Um, Ryan Braun entering the final year of his contract. And he said, oh, this could potentially be my final season. You know, I may I may retire after this year. And sure enough, he did. Mm-hmm. And, you know. That was certainly tough because of the attachment Brewers fans had to Ryan Braun. Now, Lorenzo Cain, we, we, we love Lorenzo Cain, but it's not quite the same attachment because Cain wasn't here for all these years. But still, uh, Lorenzo Cain, a very lovable guy. Um, dude has been here for the last five years. And this could potentially be the final go-round for, for Lorenzo Cain. Yeah, and I don't think it should be surprising to anyone. Um Kane turns 36 the day before opening day this year. So obviously getting up there in age and, you know, a lot of the stuff that he's done well for outside of his defense, a lot of the stuff that he's done well over the years 
you know, have started to come down. His on-base percentage numbers come down um, over the last couple full seasons that he's taken part in. His stolen base numbers have come down. Um, so, yeah, just the, the the ways that he contributes, he's, you know, you, you're starting to see a little bit of that decline um, in his age. And for a guy like him, you know, who's accomplished a lot, he's got a World Series, he's got an uh, ALCS MVP um, you know, he's got he finally got his gold glove in 2019, mm-hmm. just an absolute travesty that he didn't have one before then. But he finally got it. You know, he's got such a long list of accomplishments. Why do you after this year want to start, you know, playing on a series of one year contracts with random teams? Are you even going to get those contracts? We're already starting to see that a lot of these veterans are, you know, having a fight for uh uh, roster spots towards the end of the off season when, you know, the contracts are starting to run dry. He's got, as we know, three kids, he's got plenty to do in his retired days. So I don't think this should be a shock to anyone, but it's still, you know, it still gives you a little bit of a jolt when you hear it for the first time and, you know, have that reality sink in that, man, there's going to be a world soon where Lorenzo Kane and his, you know, just amazing smile aren't, in a brewer uniform and that kind of sucks to think about that's a bummer but i also think that that is just even more of a reason that we got to win a world series this year we got to give yeah. him a second one you know yeah, we, we, we got to do it for lorenzo yeah. yeah let's send him off with one and we couldn't quite do it for braun and that sucks so let's do it for locaine yeah let's let's do it i am i'm fully involved i don't care who it's for let's just win a world yeah, series true that's true we can have it for Kane. we can have it for grandma we can have it for anyone i don't care let's, like let's just do it we'll do it for jace peterson we'll do it for everyone <laughs> sure <laughs> yandel gustave yeah do it for mike brasso yeah yeah oh, man world series yeah world series yeah i'm i'm down if, if it involves that i'm down so mm-hmm. yeah um, yeah, for, for Lorenzo Cain, you know, yeah, it would be very tough, but yeah, I, I don't see him being, as you mentioned, I don't see him being a guy to kind of bounce around, uh, from place to place on one year deals. Um, the only place I could really see, you know, if, if he doesn't, you know, want to come back to Milwaukee or doesn't, or, um, like wants to look around the only place I could see him really going is back to Kansas city. Yeah. You know, uh, back to where he won that world series, but you know, the Royals, they've got a bunch of their prospects kind of coming up. They're really kind of getting ready to, you know, you know, start, you know, fully building that roster. They, they got a lot of them ready um, and, and coming up soon. So they're kind of starting their competitive window again. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if they're going to want to bring a, a then a now 37 year old Lorenzo Cain uh, in to get some playing time. Now, granted, he'd be a great veteran leader for yeah. that group. He'd be a great guy to have in that clubhouse. Um and who knows, maybe they'll bring him, you know, maybe he'll stay involved, you know, somehow either as a coach or a front office dude or whatever. Um, you know, maybe Kane will stay around the game a little bit. I'm not sure. I think uh, in the offseason, he lives in Oklahoma. Um, so, you know, I think he might just prefer to stay around Oklahoma with his kids. Um, you know, I think Omar Narvaez asked him today if, he, if he's going to have another. And he's like, no, <laughs> three kids is more than enough. <laughs> Mm hmm. I man, I just real quick to speak off of that. I really hope they have the players weekend uh, thing go on again this year. I, mm-hmm. I was I was kind of I was thinking back on it. I, was, I realized it was like we didn't have that last year. That's such a yeah. fun thing. As long as they don't have the stupid black and white jerseys that the, they decided that one year. That yeah, was, that was weird. dumb. Those are horrible. 
But yeah, every, you couldn't see anything. No, but the ones before that, great. So go back to team colors, make them just you know a little different than what they are now. Let the Brewers be powder blues. I'm yes. telling you, powder, powder blue, blue players weekend jerseys. Let them do the nicknames on the back. We got to bring that back. Hundred yeah. percent. You can never go wrong with powder blues. No. Um, all right. I think that's a good spot to end it for, yeah. for this week's podcast. Absolutely. On the powder blues. Um, so that'll do it for us this week. Um, lots of big news uh, for the Brewers. You know, finally, we got the lockout over with. We got some actual baseball to talk about. Next week, we'll have some spring training games to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're starting this weekend. It's going to be great. The first TV game is Sunday. Uh, but the game on Friday is going to be on radio. We're going to be able to hear Bob Euchre's voice, I believe. Yeah. I believe oh, we're going to be able to. I'm not sure if he's there, but I, I think he is. I think he's down in Arizona. Yeah, he usually yeah. is. Yeah, he's yeah. he's usually down there. Uh, but we should be able to hear Bob Euchre on Friday, on Saturday, you know, on, on all these games going forward. It's going to be great. Um, so incredibly excited for that. Baseball is finally back, and we've got news. We've got plenty of stuff to talk about. We're going to have roster decisions and, and mm-hmm. things like that. It's going to be great. Um, so we'll have all that coming up in, in future weeks here on the Cobra podcast. And of course, on reviewing fresh content up all the time, uh, over there. So that'll do it for us this week. Be sure to check out the website, uh, check out previous episodes and, uh, give us a five-star rating if you like what you're, if you like what you're hearing. So that'll do it this week. We'll see you next time for another episode of the Cold Brew Podcast.